Great. Well, today I'll be continuing our series in Kingdom Come. We're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7. Um, and uh, I'll be in uh, verses 7 and 11 today. Uh, but I, I appreciate it. If you're here last week, uh, I really appreciated Aaron's message. There he is on about judging others, right? Taking the, the log out of your own eye, right? Before looking at the speck in someone else's. I forgot the context, but Aaron was exhorting us not to be stupid. And I don't know the context of that, but I just appreciate it. I received that, so thanks, Aaron. Like, don't be stupid. There's so many ways I could apply this. I'm like, which way is he asking me to? My wife's like, amen. I'm like, okay. Oh, she's in the front row. Now I can see her reaction. It's like, oh, man. There was one story, though, you gave that really just stuck with me. I'm sure maybe it stuck with you, too, if you heard last week. If you missed it, you can see it on YouTube, Facebook, podcasts, all good stuff, New Hope Potsdam. Uh, but, Aaron, you were just sharing about how love will try. Like, what if you don't have certainty, right, with being able to care for someone while reach out, or you don't know for, you know, certainty, and you gave this picture of a, I believe it was like a lifeguard seeing someone drown or somebody, right, and you didn't know if you had enough energy to save the person drowning and came back, and you said love would try. That really just stuck with me because I thought, isn't that exactly what Jesus did, right? That he's like, what if, what if, what if you know, Father, if they don't respond to this gift of salvation? What if, what if they end up like a torturing and abusing and don't accept me at all? You know what I mean? What if they don't even receive the gift? And uh, Jesus was tortured, beaten up and crucified and raised again and did miracles. And some responded, but some didn't. But just that picture stayed with me. And I really appreciated that love would try in an unconditional way, just like Jesus. So thanks, Aaron. If you haven't seen the message or heard it, check it out. So as I'm going into today's message, uh, I was thinking about <laughs> what is the best give, gift ever given? That was a question I was thinking about. What is the best gift? And maybe you can think about that. What's the best gift you've ever received before? And I was just thinking about that. I was just thinking about when I was younger as a kid. I grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut, and then New Hampshire. And specifically, I have a wonderful mom and dad, but I'm focusing on my dad today. And uh, I remember my dad, uh, he, I'm, I'm just kind of like him in a lot of ways. He loves techie kind of stuff like that. And I remember, uh, depending on the jobs he's had and stuff, sometimes there's some like really cool tech gifts that would come. Sometimes there's like other like Legos or Playmobiles. Have you ever gotten to those? You're like, oh, this is amazing, you know? But I was thinking about this. What's the best gift I was thinking my earthly father's ever given me? And I was thinking about it, and I was like, the best gift is when I would just spend time with my dad, Right? I remember in Connecticut, where we, we would live, I, you know, I lived until I was 10, and I'd be walking along, and I'd love that my dad would just go on walks with me and my brothers and give my mom probably a breather. <laughs> um, and he would just tell stories. And I just being with my dad, walking with my dad, hearing stories from my dad. And then uh, it seemed like every night, I don't know, somehow there's a beautiful sunset where we walk. And he'd always say, remember this sunset. He's like, you'll remember it for the rest of your life. And he said that about every sunset. <laughs> The funny thing is, though, he must have read it somewhere. If you say that to someone, it actually can help engrave that memory into your head. So I actually remember a lot of the sunsets because I'm like, okay, yeah, Dad, I won't remember this. But me saying I won't remember it helped me remember that I won't remember, which I still remember now at 34. But I just love that, walking with my, my dad. The best gift he ever gave me was not a present. Um, and, I, and I got, you know, different times with different income levels. Sometimes there's small presents. Sometimes I got extravagantly expensive presents, like physical gifts. But it was always his presence, just being with him, I was realizing. I remember one time he was in between jobs, we were in New Hampshire, and uh, he had a really high-paying job, and he was in the middle between that and another job. And so we actually ended up, me and my dad actually ended up working the same job for a couple months. 
and uh, things financially were tighter for the family. I remember my dad and I would have to carpool to work using uh, my grandmother's car. And so we were doing that. And I remember one time driving down to work, my dad was just like, he, I could tell he was sad because the financial income of the job that we were both working were nowhere close to the jobs he used to have. And he's just like, man, he's like, I wish I could give you more. You know what I mean? Because, you know, there's a heart of the parent. Like, I wish I could give you more. And, uh, you know, I used to give you all these gifts and all these extravagant things, right? And I don't know, maybe it's just the Holy Spirit working in my heart. But I'm like, Dad, I'm like, this is like the best several months I've ever spent with you in my entire life. Like, I've ever felt more rich than in this moment. Because I get to go to work with my dad. And we work different shifts, which meant we had to just go in at the same time because we had one car and stay there the whole time. And I'm like, that honestly was probably the best five months I ever had with my dad was when he was in a low-income job with me and we got to drive in together. Isn't that awesome? And I think as a parent, that's good for me as parents all around, the best gifts we can give our children are not things. It's just you. It's just you. And we're going to see that today in the scripture uh, as Jesus is talking about. The best gift we can ever receive, it's not a thing. It's not a money. It's God himself. So let's look at this together in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11. So Jesus is talking. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for, for ask him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good thanks to those who ask him? Take a moment to pray. God, thank you for your word. And God, I pray you just speak uh, to me and through me and through your word in a way that would just honor you and bring us closer to you, God. Lord, would you have your way? And may you be much glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And so Jesus is continuing uh, really on the first part of these two verses right here. He's talking about really prayer, because when you think about prayer, what is prayer at its fundamental core? It's a conversation, right? It's talking to God and also listening. And I want to make mention, because sometimes I'll talk to folks that are like, I believe we can pray, I just don't think we can hear from God. Um, at Scripture, I think God actually really wants to speak to all of us, amen? He really does. Prayer is actually a conversation. It's not like a, like a special one-off gift for certain people that maybe matured somehow in Christianity and then other people don't get this gift. God wants to speak to you. Um, he also wants to hear from you. And Jesus is giving these metaphors right here, which you think about it, it's asking, right? Seeking and knocking. And it's given this idea of being persistent in our prayers to God. But not in a way that we're hoping that God is like a distant dad who doesn't care. Jesus is making it very clear that we have a God who deeply cares, amen? He made that clear actually in Matthew 6. I was looking through that that you don't have to use a lot of long words or repetitive words in a way to get our Heavenly Father to care for us. It actually says that the Father knows what we'll ask for before we even ask for that. Isn't that awesome? I'm like, so we even can come to prayer, and I've been trying to do this. I'm trying to grow. All of us are on a, you know, we want to grow towards maturity in Christ. I'm trying to thank God at the beginning of my prayers when I can before praying. God, thank you that you already know what I'm about to ask, and I know you love me. It really gives like a posture difference, right? Because if we think that God doesn't care about us, 
man, I got to ask over and over and over. And I don't want you to think that it's like, oh, ask, 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 seek, 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 knock, 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 because God doesn't care, and maybe he'll get us care. No, he wants to see our heart, our persistence, our uh, desire to reach out to him, but knowing that he's one that is wanting us to spend time with him, wanting us to ask him for things that would be brought in our life to glorify him. And he gives the example of an earthly father. Um, or the, sorry, in verse 9, of examples of someone giving a gift to their son. It says, or which one of you, if your son asked for him for bread, would give him a stone? Which seems kind of crazy, but if you had like a roll, you know, a little piece of bread or something, maybe you could try to swap it with a stone. I mean, that sounds ridiculous. Your son wants a basic need. He's not asking for a palace. He's asking for bread. Would give him a stone. Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent. You might think that's hard to swap, but if it was like an eel, ooh, I don't like eels. I don't know if you guys like eels, but if it was like an eel from the Sea of Galilee, right? It could kind of look like a serpent or vice versa. Uh, yeah, it says, if then you who are evil are those who are, you know, don't know God or follow God or just earthly in their sinful nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And I'll be honest, like sometimes in my own prayer life, I don't know how yours is, sometimes I don't like to be direct in asking God for things. I kind of like to be vague, right? But God's saying, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. This idea of being persistent in our way of uh, going, to the, going to the Father. There's actually a parable that kind of talked about this a little bit more I wanted to share. And I think it's down in Luke 18. And Jesus said, and he told them a parable in the fact that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down or some translations say, wear me out by her continually coming. Go, widow, go. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, to his chosen ones, who cried to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And here's another parable that Jesus was sharing, that just the idea of being persistent in our prayer. Um, it's easy to pray for something for a day, right? Usually once. You, I think that's pretty easy, at least for me. Now, what about if you go for a week? Eh, it's getting a little bit longer. What if you're going for a month or for years or for years? I know parents that they've been praying almost daily for their children to know the love of Jesus, right? That persistence. And an encouragement is to not give up to not grow weary, that we can be persistent knowing that we have a loving Heavenly Father that wants to hear our heart's desires and he wants to respond in his timing. So in the Matthew passage, it says, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And some of the, the practical things, he's talking about bread and fish in this, but if you go back to Matthew 6, it talked about knowing the needs. Don't be anxious about what you're wearing, the food and what you're drinking. You might remember this. So God knows these practical things that we need, and he knows beyond what we need. He knows what we desire. God's such a good father that he can care for us in the practical, but sometimes he just likes to bless us with things that we're not even 
even asking. You ever see that before in your life? It's like there's things I've been praying for, and then there's just things I've been complaining about. <laughs> complaining a lot? Is that prayer too? <laughs> and man, I'm humble sometimes when I'm complaining about situations or whatever, and then the Lord just answers because he's a good dad, being like, you know what, your heart's not in the right place, but I still want to bless you. And there's other times where he's like, Jim, your heart's not in the right place. I want to see it in the right place, and then I'll bless you, right? Because he's a good dad. Just like a parent, if you have kids, you know what your kids need before they ask. In the morning when our kids are wanting oatmeal, they love oatmeal, I already know they're going to ask for oatmeal, right? <laughs> and I'm like an earthly, sinful dad. I'm not perfect. God's perfect. Crystal, you know, is probably more on the perfection route than me, so... <laughs> but she knows, yeah, oatmeal. If, if earthly parents can know the needs of their children, Jesus is making the point, how much more our Heavenly Father who wants to give us good gifts? Now, I want to shift this actually to Luke. I know it's Matthew, um, but Luke actually gets a little bit more specific on the gift, not just general gifts, but a very specific one. And I want to look at that, and I'm going to intentionally focus on that one gift. Uh, Luke 11, 5 to 13 says this, and this is uh, Luke. Uh, who was recording the gospel, and this is what he shared. And he said to them, Which one of you has a friend? will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot give up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's a friend, yet because of his impotence, or I guess the word is persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. It sounds very similar to the parable of the judge, right? Not going to respond, but now <laughs> you're being persistent and you're asking. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks will be open. I love that God's not trying to pull some care to like, there's going to be no response to what you're asking. It says, those who do these things, they'll have a response. And it says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give gift, good gifts to your children, and this is what Luke focuses on, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want to focus on that. That the best gift, I was talking about this in the question, the best gift that can ever be given, I'm sure a lot of us would probably, if you've been following Jesus, would be salvation, which is awesome. That's an amazing gift. We're just talking about that at communion. Jesus has saved us from our sins. Thank God, right? The gift of God. So yes, that is the gift. But that gift allows us to something or to someone. Salvation allows us to reconnect back to God, right? So the best gift that God wants to give is actually himself. He died on the cross not just so we'd be free from sin, but that we'd be in full fellowship with him both now and then forever in heaven. It's an amazing gift. But I felt like the Lord wanted me to focus on the Holy Spirit a little bit. And I was praying about it. I'm like, well, I'm like, I could focus on persistence and prayer and all these things. And there's a lot in here you could come back and look at. But then as God was just putting it on my heart, I'm like, what is tomorrow? This was yesterday I was thinking about it. What is tomorrow? Then I realized today's Pentecost Sunday. And maybe some of you know this. I didn't have no clue. God's like, just look up what tomorrow is. And I was like, okay. So I looked it up. I'm like, oh, nice. All right, so we're going to camp on the Holy Spirit a little bit. Pentecost Sunday is when Acts 2, the early believers were waiting. Jesus is like, hey, it's better that I leave. I'm going to send the comfort, the paraclete. You know, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And just wait, and you'll be endowed with power from on high. So they're waiting, and the Holy Spirit shows up in an amazing way. And that's Pentecost. That's 50 days after what we celebrate as Easter. And so today's Pentecost Sunday. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit for a moment, and I'm hoping later on, maybe in the summer, to do something more specific on this. 
and do like a class. Um, but as I was thinking about the Holy Spirit, we talk a lot about God the Father, right? God the Father, Jesus. I mean, we talk a lot about Jesus, which is awesome. But then the Holy Spirit. And I feel like the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap. You ever feel that way? And I'm not the only one. There's people that write books on this. I remember when I read a book by Francis Chan called The Forgotten God. It's like we talk about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son. What's the third person? You know, <laughs> the Holy Spirit. I think there's a lot of reasons why. I think it's just lack of understanding or seeing what's supposedly excess of the Holy Spirit, but maybe done in a more like experimental, emotional state. And so you just kind of stay guarded away from that. But Jesus said it's actually better that he leaves because then he can send the Holy Spirit. So there's something about the Holy Spirit that we're like, if Jesus says that's the best gift he can give us, I don't know about you, I like gifts. I want it. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is really, if, with the Trinity concept, you know, God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit, it's really Christ in us. Sometimes it's phrased as uh, abiding in Christ. It's the same idea of being in the Spirit. It's the same God. It's three in one. It kind of gets complicated, but God's just magnificently glorious. But the idea of, God, your Spirit, I want to... I want to live in your spirit. I want the fullness of your spirit. I want to walk in your spirit like Galatians 5. Uh, I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be convicted by your spirit. I want to be set free by your spirit. Jesus said that the spirit will teach you all things I've commanded you. Man, thank you, God, that you gave me the best teacher. It's not someone on a podcast or up front. It's actually the Holy Spirit is the best teacher. Do you know that? That's amazing, right? We have the best teacher. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Christ's Spirit's already inside of you. Ephesians 1 says that the Spirit is the one that guarantees our inheritance. Without the Spirit, you don't have salvation. <laughs> so if you're like, okay, I do have salvation in Christ, and you're actually walking in that, that means God's Spirit's in you. But I just want to talk real briefly on it. This is not at all exhaustive, but just some encouragement. It's Pentecost Sunday, the gift that God says, evil fathers will do this, but your Heavenly Father will give you something much more, the Holy Spirit. I was reminded of in Acts 1.8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So one thing we see about the Spirit of God is the Spirit of God is not like some Star Wars force power. <laughs> Sometimes we think it is. It's like it's just some force power that we can yield and somehow do something with. The Spirit of God is actually a person. You actually can grieve the Spirit of God. Uh, if we're lost in sin and addiction, we can grieve the spirit that's within us. If we don't step out in obedience to what God has said, sin of omission, we can also grieve the Holy Spirit within us. I remember John was teaching about me this several years ago when I first came here, and uh, there's opportunities I knew the Lord was asking me to do, but I was saying no. And John's like, be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit, Jim, because if you get into this pattern, eventually you'll stop hearing the Holy Spirit. And I was really convicted, because I was like, oh no. God wanted me to do some stuff that's outside of my comfort zone, pray for this person, help someone on the street, give this person a ride. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I just don't want to do it. I kind of want to do me. John's like, be careful that you do not grieve the Holy Spirit because you actually can start to silence. And when you don't longer hear the Holy Spirit, that's a very dangerous place to be in. So I took that to heart. Thank you, John. Real wisdom right there for me. And I still want to do that. And I still mess up. God will invite me to do stuff, be witnesses for him locally, elsewhere. And sometimes I just want to do me. But we see in Acts 1.8, you will see the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the person of the Spirit, but the power of the Spirit is for us to be witnesses, right? It's not for us just to use. And sometimes we just want all the goodness of God so we can live our own life the way we want. Um, we won't see the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our life when we live for ourselves. 
We won't see God's miraculous wonders and works in our life when we just live for ourselves. It's actually for us to be all, be witnesses, locally, globally, wherever God leads us, because Christ's spirit is within us. I mentioned uh, Acts 2 earlier. I'll just read it 1 to 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, today's Pentecost Sunday, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of, as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I'm just going to jump down to verse 17. This is a prophecy being fulfilled. It says, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Now this is a huge deal because in the Old Testament there was a select few that received the Spirit of God. And it was for a certain task. The Spirit of God would come, but also the Spirit of God could leave. And if anyone wanted to know the fullness of God's presence, it would have to be a priest going into a tabernacle like once a year or a temple. So the idea, like for us, it's like, whatever, you just read it, cool. I don't know, it seems kind of crazy, but the idea that those who have been listening would be like, wait, the one that would be like selectively on certain people in the Old Testament is now going to be available to everyone? <laughs> Whoa, isn't that amazing? God wants to dwell with humans? You don't have to go to a building now or a top of a mountain or to some earthly priest. You can have the Holy Spirit within you. We can be temples of the Holy Spirit. Hence why God cares so much about if we're actually living a holy life or not. One, sin's just dangerous. It just, like Aaron said last week, it makes us do stupid things. But it's like a cancer. If we, don't, if we just let it just keep spreading in our life spiritually. But on a bigger note, if we are the embodiment of the Holy Spirit... The temple, the tabernacles in the Old Testament, there was a lot of things they had to do to make sure those things were up to snuff, right? For the presence of God. Not the Holy Spirit's in us. It's not just like, I've met with so many guys over the years I've been here uh, who are trying to get out of very similar addictions. And it's easy to focus on certain addictions, usually related to a phone, and it's just kind of like, man, I don't want to do this, but I want to pursue Jesus, which is great. And God can give victory. Amen. Come on. If you're in that place, there's hope for you. But on a higher level... It's not just sinning, and I don't like the consequences of my sin at 4 a.m. It's actually, your temple's the Holy Spirit. You've been bought with a price. Your life is actually no longer yours. My life is no longer mine. It belongs to Jesus. There's actually something like, God, it's not that I'm just sinning, and I want to pursue you, I need help. That's a great place to be in. I high-five people when they're like, I have an addiction. I haven't told everyone in 10 years. I'm like, high-five. You are on the road to healing. God wants to free you from this sin and the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to free us from our sin. So no condemnation. Conviction, but no condemnation through the Holy Spirit. But this idea that, God, we are the embodiment of the Holy Spirit. The way we live our lives, the things we do, it's not about what can I get away with and what can I do. It's like, God, am I glorifying you from my heart, in my mind, with my words, and my actions? Am I being a temple of the Holy Spirit? Where the Holy Spirit isn't being grieved, but rejoicing within us. Are you with me this morning? And there's a lot. I, could, I hope to go longer some other time, maybe a, couple, a series or something. I just want to give an overview. Pentecost Sunday. But the best gift God's given is actually the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus like, I have to leave because I want to send you the Spirit. I've been reading a book, and I mentioned it before, called Spirit Walk. And I love just the way that Stephen Smith, um, who I didn't realize that Dave and Gene Cole, some of you know them. They're missionaries. They actually knew this man. He recently just went to be with the Lord. But uh, he, he said things in a couple ways. I just really... Uh, connected with me, made me think about how am I living my life. 
And I don't know if these will pop up there, uh, but I'll just read them. So Stephen Smith says this in Spirit Walk. The whole idea, we don't want to keep in step with the flesh, the sinful flesh. We want to keep in step with the spirit. And so in the book, it says this. Living for the mission and purpose of God, plus relying on the power and guidance of the spirit each moment, equals walking in the spirit, which is a victorious Christian living and fruitful ministry. Does that sound good? That's where I want to be. Oh, it'll pop up there? Oh, wow. A.V., Digital missions, thank you so much. So this is, this is the goal, right? Because Acts 1, God's calling his followers, his disciples, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, not just a one-off thing, but daily asking God to fill you afresh to be part of his mission. So we see the mission of God connected to the power of God, which is what you see in Acts 1.8, and that's walking in the Spirit. Anyone else want to walk in the Spirit? I know I do. I, I want to be connected. That's what I want to do. But sometimes we do things differently, and I have fallen prey to both these things. Next one is, so that's the model, but this is not what we want to do. The next one is living for your own purposes plus seeking the power and guidance of the Spirit each moment equals no spirit fullness, disempowered Christian living. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. There's a sorcerer in the Acts who saw the power of the Holy Spirit, people getting healed through just ordinary people. God just uses ordinary people, unschooled, unskilled, ordinary people, and he wanted it. And he's like, I want to buy the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Because he wanted to still do his own thing, but he wanted a power source that wasn't from Satan because he realized that God was actually greater. And they said, you should repent because you're about to die if you don't repent. And, and I believe he did go to repent, but it's like what you're asking for, you do not have the heart of God at all. And that's an extreme example. But sometimes we want to live our own purposes, but we want to do it with the power of God. God won't allow us to have that power. He's a good dad, right? Right? It's like having a car that you give to a child, and you know they're going to wreck it on their own way. And it's like, why won't you give me the car? Don't you care about me? Give me some power. Give me some freedom. It's like, I know you're going to use that for a way that's actually going to hurt you and hinder you, not grow you. God's a loving dad. The next one is living for the mission and purpose of God. I think this is where a lot of us maybe we can relate. I've related to this a lot in my life plus relying on your own power each moment. <laughs> I know I've done this before, right? God, I want to live for you. I want to see more people come to know Jesus in our area, right? St. Lawrence County is a desperate place. It needs to see the love of God. We have so many depression, despair, mental health, loneliness, anger, incest, abuse. There's so much stuff here. God, I want to be part of bringing the hope of Jesus. Anybody else? But I'm going to do it on my own power. Oh, no. Plus relying on your own power each moment. This is it. Walking in frustration. Have you ever been frustrated with your walk? Right? No breakthrough and human-sized results. Man, that one right there is like, oh, got me. <laughs> Sometimes things are just phrased away, and it just really connects. I'm like, Lord, I want to be doing your mission, like Acts 1, but with your power. And God, I want to be led by you. I don't want to just be doing my own thing. The Holy Spirit is the one that's actually leading us. And each day we can ask God, Lord, what do you want to, what do you want to show me? And, and, and even in basic stuff, when I read the Bible in the morning, I open the Bible, I'm going through Matthew right now, and I ask God, Holy Spirit, would you show me what you want me to learn and apply today? Because I could just read and get nothing out of it. But Lord, I believe you have something for me today, and I'm going to ask for your help. I'm asking him to guide me, actually. But we don't want to just do that in our Bible reading. We want to do that throughout our day, actually. Uh, for some of us, we love going hiking in the Adirondacks. And if you're on a new trail that wasn't really well marked, and maybe it's just like kind of going through the woods, it's nice to have somebody that can show you the way. But imagine going up a mountain that you've never been up before, 
and you have a really trusted trail guide. And they're encouraging you, just follow after me, listen to my voice, I'll get you to the top. But imagine, I'll just use me as an example, imagine that I was trying to run ahead of the trail guide, right? It's like, have you been up this mountain before, Jim? Uh-uh, no. You haven't, okay. Because we're actually supposed to go this way. Oh, okay, that's great. I'm going to go this way, right? And we just want to do, I'm just doing my own thing. Trail guy says, go this way, I'm going this way. We can do that with the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 go this way. There's actually a reason why I'm taking you this way. Maybe it's harder, maybe it's easier, but this is the will of the Father. I want to be led this way up the mountain because I've actually never gone up it, but the Holy Spirit is the one that will be teaching and leading us. Are you with me this morning? So when I realized that God's best gift for us was him wanting to send the Holy Spirit, in my own life, in the last year, I've just re been repenting, honestly, a lot in my own life because I realized there's a lot of times I'm just doing things I want to do in my own way and in my own power. Both of those, I mean, that wasn't one of the options, but we can do our own purposes with our own power which I would just define that as pride, right? Disconnected from the mission of God, disconnected from the power of God, that's just living a life apart from God. But in John 15, Jesus gives the example, let us abide, let's be connected, right? To the vine, to the branches. We wanna be bearing much fruit as we abide in Christ, as we abide in Christ's spirit. The natural overflow of that is actually great fruit. And not just temporary fruit that comes and grows, but fruit that will remain. People around us need to hear Jesus, and they need to learn about Jesus, but they also need to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that this morning? I really do. I mean, as I talk, if you just talk to people in our county, and I was talking to someone recently who, does, uh, who works for Reach Out, which is a suicide hotline, and does a lot with mental health and mental health arrests and helping people that are either going to harm themselves or harm other people, and I'm just like, give me the scope on like, what's going on. And they're just, not surprisingly, right, with COVID, war, inflation, everything, and just being an economically depressed place, there's a lot of people struggling. I was thinking, man, we have the hope of Jesus. Who's going to go to them? Do we want to pray for another church to go to them? You know, God, would you raise up Emmanuel Baptist to bless them, or CFC Potsdam and the Nazarene? The Pot yeah, I hope they go too, but I kind of want to go too. Are you with me? There's people that are desperately hurting, some of them with their life literally on the line, asking God, Lord, show me something about you, because I don't want to go on another day. I was recently talking to a buddy of, my, of mine. His name is Jim. He lives in a different state. And he was sharing a, a, just a testimony on Wednesday that him and a buddy Steve were just out walking, and they're just praying, just talking to God and praying over a community. And he felt the Holy Spirit guiding him to go talk to a construction worker. And uh, the construction worker were really busy, and uh, he's like, you know what, I, I don't really want to do it, God. The guy's really busy, I don't want to interrupt him. So he walks by, but then the Holy Spirit's like, you need to talk to this guy. So he turns around, comes on over, he's like, hey, we're just out, you know, praying. You know, if God could do a miracle in your life, you know, what would that be? I believe that God can do miracles. And so they ask, and this guy shares a prayer request, and they get to pray for him right there. And it was pretty cool, because it was, it was obviously meeting a need at the moment. But then two months later, this man that he met was super just hard following after Jesus. Like he wanted to share the gospel with everyone. And Jim was asking him, he's like, how come you're so committed to Christ? He's like, well, you didn't know this. He's like, but things have been going really rough for me. He's like, I have two kids that are like in the late 20s and 30s. He's like, I was just feeling hopeless about life. He's like, I actually found that there's a train track near where I work. 
that I scoped out. And he's like, I was actually planning on that Friday to take my car and run it directly into the train. He's like, I was planning to end my life in a way that not bring shame to my family, and they would think that dad died of an accident. And so he's like, as I'm reaching out to God, God, if you're here, you better show me someone or show me something that shows that you actually care for me. And then here's just Jim and Steve, just two ordinary guys walking around. <laughs> the Holy Spirit just knocks on Jim's heart. Just go talk to that construction worker. And so he said, Jim, the reason why I'm so hard for following Jesus right now is because God used you to save my life. It's like, I, you guys met me on a Wednesday. I was going to end my life on a Friday. I don't know about you. That really wrecked me. So I was thinking, there's people in our county, they're in the exact same place. They're probably thinking, God, you're out there. Show me. Show me that there's hope and truth. God, show me that there's love and acceptance in Christ. Show me something. And God, in his infinite wisdom and planning, decided to show the world his love through people. That's us. God desires us to be the hands and feet of Christ. Amen? And there's people, coworkers family members, friends, people you meet on the street, wherever, if we're just open to spending time in prayer with God every day, you got to get used to hearing the promptings of the Lord, just even in like your quiet time, but just even as you go about your day, God, if there's anybody you want me to pray for, to share with, to give, to bless, to give a ride to, whatever the Lord wants you to do, I don't know, whatever the Holy Spirit wants you to do, to be opened and available to be a vessel to be used by God for his glory, amen? I don't know about you, but ask me. I'm just like, Lord, I want to live a life on mission and for the purpose of God, relying on not my power, but the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit each moment of the day. I'm going to invite up the musicians at this time, as we'll be wrapping up in a song um, called King of Kings. But I think it's a great time to have a time to pause and ask the Lord, God, am I living for myself or am I living for you, for your mission and purpose? God, am I doing things on my own strength or on your strength? And Jesus says, if we ask, if we seek, if we knock, he'll receive in prayer. And the best thing God can give us is himself, is his spirit afresh in us today. So once again, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit's already in you. The question is, do you want to be full to the fullest measure of the Holy Spirit in you? And a lot of times that's through repentance of other things and then being willing to be filled and led by God. Let's take a moment to pray. God, I thank you so much that you love us. God, thank you that you're not a stingy dad. You give us the best gift ever, which is yourself, your spirit. Holy Spirit, as we're thinking about Pentecost today, as we're thinking about, as I am, 1970s, Lord, as your spirit came through this church in a mighty way through Conania in St. Lawrence County. Lord, would you come afresh? God, would you come afresh in us, Lord? Revive us, renew us, restore the joy of your salvation. And God, I don't know how each of us are feeling, but Lord, I, I do want to be more like that buddy Jim who's saying, you know what? That construction worker looks busy, but the Holy Spirit's asking me to go pray for him. Mm -hmm. God, may we not miss any prompting of you, even if it's a little tiny one or a big one. Whether we can understand it or not, help us to be obedient to you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.